Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 10th of May 2015, entitled The Fool's Legacy. And the Bible reading is taken from Luke chapter 12, verses 16 to 34. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Right, I invite you to stand this evening to honour the reading of God's holy word beginning in Luke chapter 12 and verse 16. Luke chapter 12, verse 16. And he, speaking of Jesus, spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. There will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward God. And he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life what ye shall eat, neither for the body what ye shall put on. The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them, how much more are ye better than the fowls? And which of you, with taking thought, can add to his stature one cubit? If ye then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not, and yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass which is today in the field, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell that ye have, and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth neither moth corrupteth, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Father, we thank you this evening, Lord, that we have health and strength, a place to meet this evening. Thank you, Lord, that each and every one of us can, can be here. Thank you, Lord, for your word that's before us, your spirit that's within us. Now, Father, as we take this time to focus upon your word, we pray that you would do that for us, which we can certainly not do for ourselves. Speak to us, Lord, by the power of your Spirit. Speak to our hearts that which is most needed here this evening, or that your word in some way may have an effect on each and every one of us. 
We give you the praise and thanks. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. You know, it's amazing as we look at all the different things in Scripture. The last three Sunday mornings in our Genesis account, we've been looking at the assurance of God's promises and particularly at the story of Jacob and how that he was able to face his past because of the promises that God had made to him, even when things did not appear to be happening as he thought that they should. Last Sunday evening, if you were here, we looked at the idea of living a life of joy. So many times we get so bogged down with this world and the things of this world that we lose that joy, and the Lord wants us to have that joy, the, the fullness of His joy. And I want us to look this evening because, again, if you would, it really ties right into those things when we're looking here at this account that Jesus Christ is giving to us and teaching us this passage of Scripture, that the most important thing is that so many times, so many times as we look around us at the things that we have or don't have in this world, we can get focused and we can get worried about the things of this world. But I want to speak to you this evening on this simple thought, if you would, the fool's legacy. The fool's legacy. Now, what was the occasion of Jesus teaching them this parable here? Well, if we look, chapter 12 here, where we're reading, began with Jesus' teaching. It says there to uh, an innumerable multitude of people, so many that they were literally trampling over one another. And he was teaching them there about the leaven of the Pharisees, these religious hypocrites. And he was contrasting that with those that genuinely believed on Christ and confessed him before others. There was the religious crowd that really had nothing, but there were those that really had Christ and that would confess him before the world that they lived. He was teaching them not to be fearful of these powers to be that they might end up having to face with their beliefs and their faith at some point. But then out of this crowd, as Jesus was teaching on that, notice what happened there in verse 13. It says, and one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Jesus is talking to them about the importance of having something real in their lives, about confessing him before men instead of just some hypocritical, false religion that they might have. But you can see where this one in the crowd, his thoughts were all on the material things of this world. Jesus, how about going to my brother and telling him to divide that inheritance with me? He was not focused upon the spiritual matters that Christ was teaching them about. He was rather focused upon the things of this world. This parable is being used to teach, yes, this innumerable crowd that he was teaching here, 
but also teaching us because it's recorded in God's word, which has been preserved for us to right here this evening, teaching them the great danger of covetousness. This man wanted either a part of or more of, the Bible doesn't really go into detail, the inheritance, the legacy that had been left to him. Now, we don't know the specifics of that inheritance and what its value was and what it was worth, and I think that's just as well. I think that was intentional. <laughs> what we know is that the importance of that, which is an earthly inheritance, however much that it might be, how that that is not even a comparison to what we can have in the heavens, in the, in the heavens. and that this one, this individual, this man here that was so focused upon what he could have in this world that it was his covetousness that God was warning us about. Now, an inheritance or a legacy is something that can be received from another or it is something that you can give to another. It's that which is left behind by one individual for another. A legacy is something that someone can leave for you. And it's something that you will leave behind when you leave this world. Now, what you leave behind, it might be a little or it might be a lot. <laughs> it might be material things. It might be spiritual. You see, if you don't leave anything else behind, you're going to leave behind a memory with somebody. <laughs> You're going to leave behind the influence that your life has on another individual. And I guess my questions this evening is, first of all, what kind of legacy have you inherited? And what kind of legacy will you leave behind for others when you leave this world? Now, Jesus just point blank refuses this man's request to help him get more of these material goods, this material inheritance that he was so concerned about down here. And instead, he offers a grave warning about covetousness. Now, it's said that there's really two different types of covetousness in this world. That which desires to get all it can get. That one that covets the possessions of someone else is what we see this man doing here. But not only that which desires to get all it can get, but that which desires to keep all that it gets for itself. So it can be that desire of wanting to get, or it can be that desire of wanting to hoard up, to keep what you feel is so valuable to you. Now keep in mind, this parable is not showing someone who was a fool because of the riches that he had. He was a fool because of the place that those riches had in his life. He was a fool because of the power and the influence that it held over him. The Bible doesn't teach us that it's the money that's the root of all evil, but it's the love of money that is the root of all evil. Jesus is telling us very graphically, that a man who sets his heart upon the things of this world rather than upon God is a fool. 
That's a powerful statement to make. That's what Jesus says. It's not what I said. The Bible says he is a fool. Jesus is warning explicitly against the dangers, against the pitfalls of this matter of covetousness. But at the same time, he's teaching us the importance of true riches, the true riches that can only be found in God himself, the true riches that are beyond this world. He's showing us that the value of our legacy whether it's a legacy that is being obtained or whether it's a legacy that is being left behind for others, it is not measured in earthly possessions. A godly legacy is worth more than all the earthly possessions that can possibly be accumulated. (laughs) What kind of legacy will you leave behind? Now, there's nothing wrong with wanting to leave a little something behind for your wife and your children, your family, those that you care about. But the most important thing that you leave behind will not be the material possessions. Covetousness will always, always make a fool of a person. And as a result, it will cause one's legacy to be a fool's legacy that Jesus is giving us a picture of here. You see why? What do we see that caused this kind of an outcome? Well, I want to give you just four things this evening that that's not saying that that's all that we can find in these verses, but that stand out. And first of all, spiritual idolatry. You see, it's clear that this man's covetousness, this man's desire, to get more and to keep everything that he had, that it caused him to give his heart over to riches. It was his wealth that had become his God. He shows absolutely no responsibility towards God whatsoever, let alone any thankfulness. There is not even a recognition of God have anything to do with all that he had let alone God's ownership and his own stewardship. You see, back in Matthew chapter 5, the Bible tells us very clearly whether we're talking about a person that is saved or an unbeliever. He says back in Matthew 5 and 45, he says that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. Listen. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. You see, everything that is, is because God made it. Everything that is sustained is because that God sustains it. This lost world would not even have the sunshine and the rain that gives them what they have unless it was by God. But whether they be good or whether they be evil, God's sunshine is what shines on all of us. God's rain is what comes to bring the plenty to all of us. Notice what Jesus said there as he closed out this parable. In verse 34, he said, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be Also, this man's riches, 
had his heart. Those riches had become his idol. His earthly wealth was what that was important to him. That was what he treasured. And therefore, that's where his heart was at. Spiritual idolatry will make a fool of a person and make a fool's legacy. This man clearly worshipped and served the things of this world rather than the one true God that had made it all possible. What will make a man a fool and leave a man with a fool's legacy? Spiritual idolatry, giving the things of this life, of this world, a greater importance in our lives than the God that put us here. But not only do we see certainly spiritual idolatry in this man, we see self-interest, self-interest. Somebody try to count these. <laughs> he says, beginning in verse 17, and he thought within himself, this is the guy that had all these possessions, he thought within himself saying, what shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thy knees, eat, drink, and be merry. I, me, my, I've done it all, and it's all for me, and I'm going to do whatever's necessary so that I can have it and so that I can keep it in everything. We see absolutely no sense of God whatsoever in his life. I and my. Nowhere is God credited with anything. Nowhere does he even consider the needs of another human being. He doesn't bring God into this. He doesn't bring anybody else into this. It's all I and me. His focus was upon himself alone. Compare that to what Jesus said as a contrast in verse 33 he said, sell that ye have and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. <laughs> His focus is all upon me and mine and what I can have and what I can do, what I have done, and what I'm going to keep. <laughs> Jesus said, just, just give it all away. <laughs> Help those people that have a real need. Let your attention be on others and not upon yourself. You see, it was self-interest that had closed the doors of this man's granaries, closed the doors against those around him who had genuine needs. He had nothing or no time for the poor, for the aged, for the sick, for the needy, for any of those that had needs. His self-interest had not only closed the doors of his granaries, it had closed his eyes to the widows, to the orphans. He had more 
And he even knew what to do with you. He says, I, I don't even have anywhere to, to put it all. And yet, he had no eyes. <laughs> he saw all that he had. He saw everything that he could do for himself. But he didn't see those around him that had genuine needs. Closed the doors, closed his eyes. Self-interest is what closed his ears. <laughs> A needy world around him. Many crying out for help. Many crying out in genuine need. But yes, his ears were closed. He didn't see them. He didn't hear them. Everything that he had was locked away and closed up for self. Sadly, this is all of his material legacy. Sadly, the same is far too often true today, not only in the material world, but even more seriously in the spiritual realm. Much of the world doesn't even know why it's hurting. It doesn't even know why that it's crying out, let alone what it's crying out for. But all too often, God's people has no response to the needs around them. God's people who know exactly what they need, they need Jesus Christ. Yes, there's no doubt that they may have other needs, genuine needs that Jesus is telling them to meet here, but none far greater than their spiritual need. What caused this man to be a fool? What caused this man's legacy to be a fool's legacy? Spiritual idolatry. Other things being put in a more important place than God himself. Self-interest. All the focus upon me and mine and I and what I have and what I can do. We see something else here. Not only was it in the spiritual idolatry and the self-interest, but we also see sensual indulgence. What do you mean, preacher? Look at what he says in verse 19. He says, and I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. You see, he's and if you can reach it, he's, he's giving himself that big pat on the back. Boy, you've worked hard for all of this. You've put so much into this. Much goods laid up for many years. Look at what you've worked for. Look at what you've laid up. Look at what you've been able to store. Once he had all his earthly treasures stored up, locked away so that nobody else could get to them, he was just going to indulge himself with the pleasures of this life. Eat, drink, and be merry. You've worked hard for this. Just put it away now and enjoy life. Just put it away now. Don't worry about it. You go out. You indulge yourself in the things that will make you happy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Enjoy it. Contrast that with what Jesus said back in verse 15. And he said unto them, take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. In his eyes, life, 
was about storing away everything that he had accumulated, eating, drinking, be merry, indulging himself to live it up. Jesus said, hey, <laughs> life isn't all the things that you have. Life doesn't consist of all those possessions that you have. It isn't about the abundance of things. In his eagerness to indulge the flesh, he had absolutely no thought whatsoever for the soul. He had lost all priorities in life because of the focus of the possessions of this world being so important to him. Jesus said in verse 29, And seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. He's going to store everything up and eat, drink, and be merry. Jesus is saying, don't even worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. I'll take care of those things for you. Jesus said in verse 31, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. You put God first. You seek the eternal kingdom, and God will meet your needs. He will take care of these things that you need in this life. You see, Jesus says to him, said to that innumerable crowd that was there, he told this story and said, this is the biography of a fool. And this is a fool's legacy. If this is all that he's got to leave behind, and this is all that he's got in this, from this world, it's a fool's legacy. Why? Well, this man, we look at him and we see spiritual idolatry, self-interest, his sensual indulgence for himself. And one other thing I want you to notice here, and I simply called it <laughs> suicidal indifference. <laughs> suicidal indifference. Preacher, what are you talking about? I'm saying that it is suicide to be indifferent to God. It is absolutely the quickest way. There is no more sure way to commit suicide, not to just destroy your life here, but to destroy your life for all of eternity. This man's earthly possessions had completely blinded him to what true life was and about any accountability to the creator and the sustainer of the life that he had. I'm saying that he was not only taking his life, maybe he wasn't committing physical suicide here, but he was certainly committing eternal suicide. He was just as sure as you and I are sitting here this evening. It is suicide to be indifferent to God. It's suicide to be indifferent to the needs of others. You see, it's just an absolute downright hypocritical lie to say that you love God and yet not care about those around you that have needs, <laughs> wanting to keep what you have for yourself. What did John say in 1 John chapter 3? He tells us there in verses 17 through 19, he said, But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, 
how dwelleth the love of God in him? If somebody has been blessed with this world's goods, with possessions in this life, and he sees a brother over here that, that has a need, and yet he doesn't care. He closes up his bowels of compassion against him. How can you say that the love of God dwells in you? He goes on to say, my little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. It's easy to say, I love you. It's easy, it's easy to say that I love the brethren. It's easy to say that I, I love and care about all those people. He's saying, hey, we don't want to hear the words and uh, just hear those things that you're saying. Let's see some action behind it. If you really love them, then let's show them that you love them. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. <laughs> That's how we know if we're really of the truth. <laughs> I want to tell you something. When Jesus looked on the multitudes, he had compassion upon them. He said here, how can you possibly say, <laughs> how can you possibly say that you love God and that you love others? And yet when you've been blessed with possessions, you just close off your bowels of compassion against those that are in need. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. He said it doesn't work that way. You see, it's suicide, eternal suicide, to be indifferent to God. It's suicide to be indifferent to the needs of others. It's deadly. And it's suicide to place all your value on the earthly and on the temporal in light of eternity. This man was living solely for the present. He was completely indifferent to eternity altogether. We live in a day, we live in a world, we live in a society that wants what will make me happy, what will do me good right now for me here in this place where I'm at. They have no thoughts for eternity. Folks, that's eternal suicide. <laughs> that is deadly. Not to think of the eternal Jesus in his answer not only goes into great detail in promising to meet all of the needs of the present, but also the needs of eternity. What did he say in verse 32? Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. This is after he's just got through and he took you all through all the, the earthly things and, and look at the birds and look at the flowers and look at all these things and you think God does all that? What's he going to do for you? But you know what? God's not just going to meet your needs right now in the present. God's going to meet your needs for all of eternity. He wants to give you the kingdom. He doesn't want you just to have what you've got in this temporary life. Jesus himself gives us the biography of a fool and of a fool's legacy. Covetousness is what had made him a fool. This fool lived a life of spiritual idolatry, of self-interest, of sensual indulgence, and of suicidal indifference to the things of God. <laughs> Jesus' conclusion 
of this man's life, of this man's legacy, he tells us very clearly in verses 20 and 21, but God said unto him, Now, fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall all those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. God says, how foolish can you be? You're a fool. Your soul is going to be required of you. You're a fool. If you spend your time laying up all this treasure for yourself down here and you're not rich towards God. You see, we could look at a number of things, but let me just remind you of these important things from God's Word. All that we possess in life comes from God. All that we possess comes from Him. With the increase of possessions comes an increase of responsibility. As a matter of fact, that applies to anything to whomsoever much is given, much is required. We are stewards of God's trust. And it's required that stewards be found faithful. Earthly possessions, whatever they are, they are all temporal and we will all part with them one day. We cannot take any of it. Not any of it can we take with us when we leave this world. The Bible tells us clearly, we will all stand before God and give an account of our life one day. The only way to accumulate eternal wealth, and you can, but it's not to store it up down here. It's to invest your time, your efforts, your possessions, everything that you are and everything that you have in Jesus Christ and his cause. Many things may be ours. But remember, when we belong to Christ, <laughs> that is the most important thing. And when we are his, all we have is his. We're either his or we're not. So I ask you again this evening, folks, you may look around and you may say, I don't have much in this world. You know, sometimes I don't know where I'm going to get even to the next paycheck. We may not know where we're going to pay this bill or how we're going to do this or how we're going to do that. And sometimes it's hard when we look around us and we see people of this world that are putting all their focus upon the possessions of this world, and they seem to have so many times a much easier road than some believers have. Oh, let me just remind you of this wonderful truth this evening. You see, what kind of legacy has been passed on to you? Maybe somebody didn't leave you a million or a few pounds in the bank. But may I say to you this evening, what a blessed people we are that as we look back through history, all the faithful that have gone before us, <laughs> the legacy that is ours, oh, they could have forgotten God just as this one did. They could have forgotten everything that God had done. <laughs> they could have just focused upon the natural material things of this world. But many of them, they've lived for him. They've died for him. 
They've stood upon the truth when it cost them everything this world had to offer. Oh, we have a great legacy <laughs> that's worth far more than if somebody had left you a few million in the bank. <laughs> that's a legacy that's been left to us. But the question also remains, what kind of legacy are we going to leave for those that follow us? Are they going to look at our lives and are they going to see that our life has been spent on building up, getting all that we can get, <laughs> storing it up, locking it away, not caring about anybody else but self? Is our life going to be one where that we did all the things that we could to indulge ourselves with the things that we had here? Or is our legacy going to be one that we can leave behind? My kids certainly aren't going to inherit millions from me in the bank. <laughs> but will our children, will those that follow behind us in this church, will we leave up behind a legacy to them, a legacy of faithfulness, <laughs> a legacy of God really, really being the number one thing in all of our lives, the possession that means more to us than anything, having the Lord Jesus Christ do our lives show that? What is our legacy going to be? You see, I don't want us to leave a fool's legacy. <laughs> Let's leave a genuine legacy. Let's give God his rightful place. This isn't hard stuff to understand here, but it's so, so easy. Just as this guy amidst this multitude there... <laughs> When Jesus is trying to teach them such important things, his mind goes off to what he's going to have in this world. This evening, what kind of legacy are we going to leave? Father, we thank you this evening, Lord, that we can praise and thank you for the legacy that is ours. Lord, even as we gather here in this place this evening, all this church has certainly seen its ups and its downs over the years. Lord, there are those that have gone before us that have been faithful, that have stood the test of time that is why that we still have a place to meet in this evening. Lord, we find that it's only through the faithfulness of those that make up the body that that body can continue. Lord, help us not as this one here get focused upon the possessions of this world and what this world has for us, but help us to focus upon you. Help us, Lord, truly to seek that which, Lord, is from above not below. Help us to seek first your kingdom and trust you to add all these things unto us. Lord, we know that so many times that we can certainly see many weaknesses and failings and shortcomings in our life. But Lord, help us to leave a legacy, Lord, that will at least speak to those that come behind us of our faithfulness to you, the important place that you have in our lives. Lord, help us to worry about building our wealth in heaven, not here upon this earth. We give you the praise, the thanks for it. In Jesus Christ's precious name, amen. Mm -hmm.